I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Quiet, please, ladies and gentlemen. You ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to Lawrence Larson Show. It's a Tuesday and it's the Radio Northwest Network. And I want to start off with this. At what point do citizens in this case in Washington state revolt over a government that refuses to provide the minimal services that citizens have already paid for? I want to talk about the ferry system in the state of Washington, uh, about the 300,000 people who on a daily basis take advantage of that ferry system to move them around. They've already paid the money. And the government of Jay Inslee has screwed that system up so badly that they're already saying ahead of the Thanksgiving weekend, uh, expect trouble. Expect that you're not going to get where you're going on time. Expect delays and all of that. I'll get you the details in just a moment. But first, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. Welcome to the best conversation in talk journalism. It happens right here every day, and you're invited to take part. If you want to join in, it's 866-HEY-LARS. And if you happen to be a naysayer, that is, you disagree with my point of view, not only are we not going to screen you out, you're welcome. You're more than welcome. We're going to put you right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. You want to send an email? Talk at LarsLarson.com. And, of course, you can always vote in our Twitter poll. We try to provide honestly provocative talk every single day. Imagine this question. Would you fire an airline pilot who praises Hamas terrorists and calls them brave people. Yeah, I'd, I'd sign up to fire him tomorrow if I was running that airline. United Airlines has done just that. They have a pilot. His name is, and it couldn't get much better than that for our Twitter poll, Ibrahim R. Mosalam. Yeah, he's your pilot for the day. Imagine this. He goes on social media on October 7th. And he called the Hamas terrorists, the ones who slaughtered people, the ones who killed babies and beheaded some of them, the ones who put some people into ovens, including babies, into ovens and cooked them, the ones who burned bodies. Yeah, that group. He calls them brave people. Ibrahim Ah Musalam, who said, uh, 
acts of resistance from brave people who have endured decades of occupation. Apparently put that right up on October 7th, the day of the slaughter in Israel. And guess what? United Airlines has now effectively said, you're gone. They have suspended one of their pilots. I figure that United is smart enough. They're not going to just suspend him. They are likely to show him the door. And if you're any other airline anywhere in the Western world, maybe in the Middle East, he'd have an easy time getting a job. But do you think he's going to get his job back at United? Do you think any other airline wants to bring on Ibrahim R. Mosalam, who thinks that terrorists who slaughter people are brave people and that they've endured too much and that their attacks are justified? That's crazy. Would you fire an airline pilot who praises Hamas terrorists as brave people? I'd say yes to that. You can vote any way you like. At Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. And always brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Now, yesterday... I know it sounded like a crazy question. Should any Northwest government charge a rain tax? Portland already does charge a tax on rain for almost everybody who lives in the Portland city limits. But now they want to extend it to people who have the best argument against paying such a rain tax. Portland justifies this tax by saying, well, the rain hits your roof, then it goes to your gutters, then it goes to your downspout, and eventually it ends up in the city's stormwater runoff system, which was stupidly combined with the sewer system a long, long time ago and apparently can't be fixed. So what do they do? They tell homeowners you have to pay a tax on every drop of rain, drop of rain that falls on the flat surface of your roof. But now they want to extend it to people who live in floating homes. Now, I may have a bit of a bias. About 20 years ago, Tina and I owned a floating home. You know, like the ones you saw in the movie Sleepless in Seattle, the ones you see on Lake Union and, uh, and other places in the Puget Sound area, uh, like the ones that you see on the Willamette River and on the Columbia River, that kind of floating home. It's a great way to live, but uh, should you have to pay a rain tax for every drop that hits your roof, goes to the gutters, and straight back to the river, never going anywhere near a city storm drain? 94% of you said no to that crazy idea. Only 6% of you said yes. And I'm convinced that some of the people who vote in the Twitter poll just vote counter to me just, just to be a contrarian. And that's okay. Glad to have you with me. You want to join the conversation, it's 866-HEY-LARS. If you want to know the whole number, it's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Now, WashDOT and the Washington State Ferry System figure that over the Thanksgiving weekend, 300,000 people will use a state-run ferry as a way to get from point A to point B and back. The problem is Washington state, like so many things in a Democrat controlled state with a Democrat governor, a nitwit like Jay Inslee, who makes, wants to make it very hard and very expensive to commute any way you want to go. He wants to tax the daylights out of people. He can't manage to run the state's ferry system. For example, Washington state ferries has, well, they're supposed to have a fleet of 21 ferries. Two thirds of them work. One-third of them are out of commission. 
14 working out of 21 they're supposed to have. That means they're going to cut service on a number of routes, including Seattle to Bremerton, Fauntleroy to Vashon Island, and Southworth, and Edmonds to Kingston. Well, what could possibly go wrong on a busy holiday weekend? Then beyond that, some of the routes are going to have smaller boats than the riders may remember. Seattle to Bainbridge Island usually has two jumbo ferries, which carry a couple of hundred cars. But with one of them out for a year to be converted to electric power, because that's the priority, not serving citizens, but getting to electricity, the route may instead run, run a boat that only carries about 144 cars. It gets me all choked up, i got to tell you. A major risk, they say, this is the Seattle Times fish wrapper, of having so few boats is there are no spares. If even one of them has mechanical issues, it may set off a shift of all the other boats to fill in the gap. And they say sailings may be delayed or canceled on short notice. This is what the ferry system is telling people. We charge you billions of dollars over the decades to supply a system. You pay a fee to put your car, put yourself on one of those ferries. And then the state comes out and says, by the way, heading into a busy holiday weekend, we're just going to tell you up front, don't count on the service being there. It may change at the last minute. It may be and will be a lot smaller. We only have two-thirds of our fleet working, and some of them are smaller. Now, does anybody think that's right? Because I've complained before about the fact that both in Oregon and in Washington, the State Department of Transportation, different from the ferry system but still related, they decided we don't need as many snowplow drivers. Some of them wouldn't take the jab, so we fired them, and they haven't filled out their ranks again. Oregon has the same problem. Heading into a winter where we may get a lot of snow, what does the state system say? In both Oregon and Washington, they say, don't count on us to keep the roads cleared. All of this, and your taxes haven't gone down one thin dime. Consider that as you consider who to vote for in the year ahead. Glad to be with you on a Tuesday, heading up to Thanksgiving. Coming up in a moment, i got to tell you something. The teachers striking in Portland and the school district have arrived at a decision on, and it's not a good thing for your kids. That's next on the Radio Northwest Network. If you've with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you're in an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. No need to adjust your volume. He's just that loud. Lars Larson. 
That makes a lot of sense. A lot of nonsense. Right. You're bloody well right. You know you got a right to say. This is the Northwest Nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold, hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead, fish wrapper, or mainstream media bias. Well, Portland public schools and striking teachers have managed to agree on at least one thing this week. The indoctrination of your kids. No, the two sides have not come to agreement on a new contract. I don't think that's coming anytime soon. Yes, the teachers remain on strike, and yes, they'll probably get paid for all the days that they weren't staying in a classroom educating your children. No, your kids are still being denied the education that all taxpayers have funded. But the union and the district say this week they've agreed on one issue, or at least come to terms academic freedom. Now, that could literally escape your attention in a news story. It sounds so darned innocuous. Academic freedom is a dirty euphemism in this case, for teachers can bring their own personal agendas to the classroom and push it on a captive audience of your kids. We know the agendas. Gender change. And don't tell the parents. DEI and CRT tell your kids that their skin color determines their place in society. White kids are oppressors by by the way, black and brown are the oppressed. You need puberty blockers? Teachers can arrange that, and we'll keep your parents in the dark. Your daughter needs birth control or, failing that, an abortion? Academic freedom means teachers can counsel your daughter, help her set it up, and you'll never know about it. The Teachers Labor Union and the district have denied your kids in the Portland Public Schools 12 days of education so far in this strike, and they can't come to terms on anything else, but they both agree on that matter. Our question of the day, and this comes in from Rick. Lars, it seems like the Salem Public Schools decided to lay people off to meet the next budget. Why doesn't PPS say to the union they'll do the same thing depending on the raises they agree to? Let the union decide who gets laid off. With dropping enrollment, they should need fewer educators anyway. Thanks for all you do, signed Rick. I had to write back to Rick and say, Rick, by the way, the union already determines who gets laid off and who does not. And in fact, their system is so ridiculous, it's called last hired first fired, which means if you have a really stellar, fantastic young teacher, a man or woman who's been there for, say, two or three years, and then you have a kind of a guy or gal who's watching the clock till retirement but has been there for 25 years, Guess which ones they lay off, and guess which ones stay in the classroom with your kids. And now, today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you completely insane? Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now. Well, you got to love this, but when even a liberal progressive community like Portlandia has already soured on your labor union message and the 12-day strike, I call it a paid vacation, as negotiations routinely end with strikers paid for the class days that they cheated your kids out of, how do you do a final way to lift a middle finger to citizens in your community? You block a major bridge, in this case the Burnside Bridge, during a busy holiday week leading up to Thanksgiving. Look for the union label, folks. You're always going to find it on situations like that.
Today's best email, but you can always send more to talk at LarsLarson.com. Jason Beach writes in, Lars, I just wanted to let you know the protesters, so-called, that completely blocked the Burnside Bridge this morning were Portland public school teachers on strike. I'm sure this is illegal. It is. But I don't believe the police did anything about it. No, they didn't. The news that I have heard on this subject today, it was just protesters not striking public school teachers. They're using Antifa tactics, in my opinion. I thought the new police chief wanted to return Portland to being a safe place for citizens and visitors to come to. Tell you what, I appreciate the email. Send those emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Always glad to get your calls. Let me go first to our first naysayer of the day. Hey, Mike, welcome to the program. Naysayers are always welcome. What do you and I disagree about today? Hey, thanks for having me, Lars. Um, my name is Mike. Um, I'm kind of a centrist. I kind of naysayer with the, uh, the Hamas thing. Um, you know, they're firing anybody who speaks out um, in support of the Palestinians or even in indirectly in support of Hamas. First of all, I think in war, you know, I worked for the VA and I've studied war for an awful long time talking to veterans. The first casualty is often truth. You really have to... Um, well, hold on. I want to make sure I know where you're coming from, Mike. Are you saying that if an airline pilot speaks out in favor of terrorists and calls them brave people, you want him flying in the left front seat in that airplane? Well, I, I think you have to look at what he, exactly what he said. Um, he called it, and I'll read the quote, resistance from brave people who have endured decades of occupation. Actually, the folks who are running this whole thing, the Hamas leadership, they're not even in Gaza or the West Bank. They're sitting in Qatar. They're worth collectively about $11 billion, and they're running the show from there. They ain't, they ain't in occupied territory at all. But are you? I, I just want to hear whether you'll say it to me. Do you want a guy who no. praises terrorists, people who slaughtered old, uh, you know, old people, young people, babies, toddlers, and took more than 250 people hostage? You, do you want that guy or gal sitting in the front Lars, left seat think, of the airplane? That's where your premise, Lars. That's where your premise is wrong. First of all, you have to suspect the. Uh, well, then correct it for me. How should I be saying it? No. You should suspect what they say. You know, they, they revised the count uh, down from 1,400 to 1,200 recently and how many people were killed. You know, 200 Oh, so, were... oh, hold on, Mike. Why didn't you tell me? If they only killed 1,200 people, they're warm, fuzzy guys, aren't they? No, and, and now out of Israel, a lot of the witnesses are saying well, you brought it up. civilians were actually killed by the IDF itself. You're not getting that information. Probably half. Mike, are you telling me that Hamas staged a terrorist attack and they didn't actually kill anybody? Is that what you believe? No, I'm not saying they didn't kill anybody, but half of the propaganda that you're getting out of Israel is is just that. Um, let's say it was Mike. Let's let's make it simple. Let's say it was a terrorist attack, and instead of 1,200 or 1,400, it was 12 people who were slaughtered. Should we still have an airline pilot? Should we have an airline pilot who's praising? terrorists who slaughter innocent civilians as brave to, to give you an example of how much no i want you to answer my question first mike i look i've responded to you i ask you a fair question if you're saying are are you saying that if they had only killed 12 people it would be okay to to praise acts of terrorism as being the acts of brave people well, I, I think the nuance is that he would anybody would say if you kill a civilian uh, on purpose, that's a, a war crime. 
In well, their, except they're not. It would be a war crime if they were fighting on behalf of a state. But there is no such state as Palestine. These are terrorists who act of their own accord. They're not under the control. Of, our you, military is under the control of our government. Again, anytime you kill a civilian, that can be a terrorist act, whether it's whether a state does it or hold on. If, if, if a guy robbing a liquor store shoots the clerk, that's an act of terrorism. That doesn't meet the definition. Terrorists seek to terrify people by saying we'll come into your country or your place and slaughter people and we'll slaughter innocent civilians. I just want to hear you, Mike, say that airline pilot should still be sitting in the front of that airplane on United Airlines right now. Do you believe that? No, they're not. There are plenty of people who speak out. And in fact, the number of people who have been fired is relatively small. But do I want that guy sitting in the front of an airplane I'm riding on or a loved one is riding on? Absolutely not. Mike, thanks for the call. The Lars Larson Show. When he talks, you have no choice but to listen. More with Lars. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show, and welcome back to the Radio Northwest Network, serving the Pacific Northwest states of Oregon, Washington, and Idaho for the past, uh, it'll be 24 years when we hit New Year's Eve this year. Glad to have you with me, and I'll get back to your phone calls in a moment. I want to talk to our friend Mark Thielman, former candidate for governor of Oregon, former superintendent of the LC School District, and he's still out there fighting the good fight in the form of uh, initiative petitions and other methods, lawsuits, among them to try to get Oregon's screwed up election system uh, corrected. Mark, welcome back. Hey, good to be back, Lars. I want to put on your super, I'll put your, have you put your superintendent hat back on for just a moment, and I want to get your read on what this strike by Portland public uh, school teachers, their labor union strike, is doing to the kids. Well, well, it's, it's, it's obviously causing a huge issue for kids and, and, and it's most egregiously affecting the special needs kids and their families. I'm, and there's been finally some coverage about it, but the media has not been honest. There are a lot of angry parents. They've been angry from the get go and the, the teachers are not as supported as, as the media the, or the mainstream media wants you to believe. And uh, they had to cave to pressure. You saw Tina Kotek get her weekend uh, address talking about how she's working so hard, Lars to end this strike because she knows how hard it's been on families. Did you because mutter BS under your breath when you heard her say that? Oh, well, it's disingenuous because she also, remember, originally came out and supported the strike. And, and, and it's just absolute, it, this whole thing's a nightmare. And here's why. The strike has been a failure. They have conceded, the teachers' union, due to their inability to do math, that $200 million didn't exist, that yep. they said existed. They didn't understand school finance. You and I actually talked about this in a prior broadcast. And that, and that then when the reality hits and there is no money, they gave up on their class size, which was their number one purpose for striking. They gave it up in exchange for committees that would make recommendations as to how to deal with class size. But, uh, the, the district wanted to have parents on those committees that could study the problem and the teachers union rejected that yet again. So, they they don't want to teach kids. They want more money. They want to do. They want to have the uh, more money teaching fewer kids, producing less results. And and Not by the way, no accountability. Mark, can we throw in no accountability? Because my argument was, if you say as a state, 
were giving up. Only state in America that said you can get a diploma without being able to read, write, or count. You've just erased about a hundred, about 99% of all the accountability because you're saying we want more money. Uh, we've given up on class size. Oh, and by the way, don't hold us to the results we produce because that would be unfair to us. And so they make the argument that they should get more money and have absolutely no no answer when the kids don't learn and they graduate anyway. They, they want no well, accountability. Exactly. And so when you give up on your tenant, your, your primary tenant for striking, which is smaller class sizes equals more educational results, That's, that was the union's position. What they are now going to agree to, and they will, it's just a matter of time, is going to be more money for them, but no changes in any of the incentives in the system. Plus, the district's going to have to cut $121 million over three years. Well, where, where's that going to come? What's that going to create? It's going to create larger class sizes, fewer yep. teachers. Okay. And, and, and again, maybe and there'll be enough kids leaving that district that, you know, the, the bleed of students getting out of that district will, will keep up, maybe. But it is an absolute disaster. Don't believe the lie. The Oregon Education Association, the Teachers Union, does not value parents. They don't value students. They're here to serve themselves. And by the way, Mark, you said that was their number one issue. I would only disagree with you slightly, and you feel free to tell me that I'm completely wrong. I thought what they did was they said, we're looking for smaller class size for your kids. And every parent says, oh, I'm in favor of that. They wanted to get the parents on board. But I saw them settle a strike or a labor issue in Camas, Washington, where they said, we're not actually going to reduce the size of the classes. But if a class has more than, say, 25 kids and it says has 28, the teacher gets a lot of extra money, thousands of dollars for having those extra kids, which at the end of the day doesn't reduce the class size. It just says we get paid more if there happen to be more kids or the school district could hire another teacher sp split the class in half well now the union gets another member another dues paying member but their ultimate goal is not to improve education for the kids i think they said yeah. that because they knew it would play well with the parents and the taxpayers well, if you said give us more money we'll improve the situation yeah but the current contract already has a three percent bonus for any kid over like if you have 25 you, you, any more than 24 in kindergarten, you get a 3% bonus to your base pay. That's already yep. in the current contract. Yep. No, I'm aware so of that. They, but when, when they set that hard line on class sizes because they're so convinced it leads to more education, there's no evidence of it uh, for any of that. And and what they're going to get now is they're going to continue with this program that does not create any more results. It doesn't reduce class size. It just raises the expense and the cost to the taxpayer for even less product. And that's that's my whole position is they haven't changed any of the incentives in the system to generate reading, writing, and math results for kids. Why not a 5% bonus if 80% of your students um, um, meet the, the, the grade for reading? Wouldn't that, I mean, wouldn't that change yeah, things? Yeah, it'd be great. We have a lot of hardworking teachers. They wouldn't be sitting on their butts down on the Burnside Bridge right now blocking traffic, inconveniencing people, and then telling everybody that they're really making a difference by doing that. That, you know, if they worked half as hard as they're working by sitting on that bridge, we might have kids that could read and write. Well, and Mark, let me throw one more thing. And again, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But I think this is a paid vacation for the teachers. And the reason I say that, are you aware of any teacher strike or work action that has ended without the, the, the district agreeing, we will pay you for the days you skipped working? Do you know of anyone? Well, that's 
Uh, no, but they, they all get, get they paid. all get paid. So all of these jokers are saying we don't care how long the strike goes. It's hurting teachers or it's hurting students. It's hurting to parents. It's hurting taxpayers. It's hurting the district. It's hurting education. But you know what? We don't pay a penalty and they will negotiate in the final deal. Whatever the final deal is, we all get paid for the now 12 days they haven't worked. So but if 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 my friends in the mainstream media would actually say, the history of these is that the teachers will still get paid for the days they didn't teach. I think taxpayers would be outraged. So I've been saying it every chance I get. But, Mark, I was hoping if you said, yeah, Lars, there was one strike where they didn't get paid for the days they missed. I don't know of a single one. Well, there was one in 1978 in Chicago. But that's, that's a little, you know, that's, that's so 20th century. Lars. That's a half century ago. Okay. Accountability. Yeah. You know. But, um, you know, here's the issue, though. When you, when you look at it, what do parents get? What do kids get as a result of this? They get their vacation taken up or makeup days. They're going to get a shorter summer break. They're going to have more inconvenience during times when they used to have a calendar and could plan. And, and at the end of the day, the teachers will do half as, put in half of the effort on those makeup days anyway, because they're going to be resentful that they don't get their full Christmas break. Look, I've been in the, I was in the industry for 30 years. I know exactly what happens. And it's shameful, which is why we need school choice. Parents need to unionize themselves. You vote in school choice. Now you've got economic leverage. They strike. You go put your kid in a different program, and you take the money with you. That's what needs to happen. Mark, the other question, I proposed this a couple of days ago. If the district came out today and said, we're eventually going to settle this, we know it will settle eventually, but when we do, we will not pay one dime for, t for days that teachers didn't strike. Do you think that that would bring the strike to an end fairly quickly? Oh, yeah. In fact, teachers will be back in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I can be back this afternoon before 2, right? Exactly. Yep. Except that why is the district so gutless when this and it comes to this? It's a culture problem. Okay? The, 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 the administration is on the side of the teachers union. That's what people need to understand. They're not on opposing sides. And you can see it in the coverage. The, the teams agreed it went to the school board. The school board, which is voted in and, and represents parents in particular, yep. right, constituents, yep. they said, no, we want parents on these committees to discuss class size problems. And the union rejected it wholeheartedly. And, they, and this goes back. And the, dis and the district caved in. That's Mark Thielman. He ran for governor. He's the former superintendent at LC. It's Tuesday, and it's the Radio Northwest Network. Mark, thank you. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. 
Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. The Zoom meeting you actually want to be at. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Would you fire an airline pilot who praises Hamas terrorists as brave people and justifies their actions? Well, United Airlines has now suspended one of its pilots. He's a character by the name of Ibrahim R. Mosalam, who praised Hamas terrorists in social media posts. He put them up on October the 7th. You know, he praised the terrorist attacks on the day of the attack. They killed 1,200 people, about 230 people are still held hostage, including children and very young people. Let me go to your calls now. And if you want to jump into the best conversation and talk journalism, it's 866-HEY-LARS. And naysayers go to the head of the line, as always, at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Gordon, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind today? Well, hi, Lars. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've got uh, two different points. I'm a, I'm a retired uh, Boeing employee that worked up in final assembly on uh, 737s. And we had a number of um, airplanes that came through that either went to China and or the, some of the Middle Eastern countries. And then um, those airlines or those airplanes did not get the most and latest avionics in there because of uh, what the, you know, uh, uh, countries, you know, could do with that. China, you know, the things they do, and then what some of these other, um, you Are know, you saying, countries. Hold on, was, it, in, was it out of economy that they gave them cheaper avionics or, or less than, than cutting edge because it made the airplane cheaper for the countries to buy or because of the fear that the country might turn it to other purposes? It was through government regulation. Government would be the latter. That, yes, yeah, government states that the that uh, Boeing cannot build the airplanes that have these uh, certain components in them, yep. and have them out to where the you know the uh, possible enemy you know, you know could go ahead and use that and then use that for military purposes. Now, I want to ask you, though, our Twitter poll to go up today. United Airlines has suspended this pilot for praising the terrorist attack. Should he be suspended for that personal opinion? Because I believe he should, oh, but, but should he? Oh, yes. There, there's no question about it. My, my second point uh, flows into that is I've got a cousin that uh, worked for Boeing uh, as a flight. You know, she, she was a pilot, and then she uh, ended up working for Boeing, and uh, she's back working as a pilot working for that same airlines but what she did when she was working for boeing is she was a um she certified pilots from around the world in five different locations they would have these locations around the world pilots yeah. instead of flying to this area they would just fly to those um recertification uh destinations uh, she would recertify pilots on 737s and 777s so you'd take and, them on uh, test, you, test flights and, and make sure they still knew their stuff. There was that, and also in the, in the oh, the, you know, the, the uh, I forgot what they're called, the uh, simulators. Yeah, 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 they would go through a host of things in simulators. And uh, she was telling me, too, that there's one station that she went to that was somewhere in the Middle East that, uh, that uh, only, you know, you know that uh, certain airlines 
that are prohibited from coming into the United States because of their terror uh, affiliations or yeah. other kind of you know, uh, countries that are not favorable to us. They could not, those pilots couldn't come into this country. And that makes sense as well. Gordon, thanks for the call. Our Twitter poll today, would you fire an airline pilot who praises Hamas terrorists as brave people? Today's Twitter poll at Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Let's go to Pam in North Bend listening on uh, on the Radio Northwest Network. Hey, Pam, what's on your mind today? Hi, Lars. I called just mainly with my personal opinion on our educational system. Yeah. I'd like um, to see federal government taken out of our our education and giving it back to state and city. Um, I'd like to crush the teachers union and that can be quickly done by parents pulling out their children, but we need some kind of legislation to make sure that our taxpayer dollars follow that student and parent. Do you know that there's a ballot measure that's headed for the ballot in Oregon that would allow school choice? I'd vote for it in a second. Yep, I think most people Um, would. And watch what's going to happen the minute you get true school choice. The labor unions are going to be scared to death because they understand they've been turning out a crappy product. They have. I mean, by the numbers, when you have to say kids can graduate without learning how to read, write, and count, you're really admitting your product is crap. And 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 then what happens is when parents have an option to take your, their kids elsewhere, a lot of them will, and the unions are going to get hit by it. Or the unions could respond by actually delivering a quality product. I, I'd rather just see the union gone. Well, I'd like to, too, Pam. I frankly, I think that it is an incestuous arrangement when the unions, the teachers unions get to determine who's on the school board. Now, officially, the voters decided. But you know what the unions do is they say, if you're going to run for the school board and you're not pro-union and you're not in favor of doing everything we want you to do, we'll campaign against you. So they keep the school boards filled with pro-union people. Uh, and, and lock out anybody else. And the end result of that is the school boards, as Mark Thielman just said, they're, they're on the side of the union. The teachers are on the side of the union. And nobody is on the side of the kids and the parents and the taxpayers. Pam, thanks for the call. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you, your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Quiet, please, ladies and gentlemen. You ready for the big solo? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. 
the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a Tuesday heading up to Thanksgiving, and it's a pleasure to be with you. Glad to take your phone calls and your emails at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. As I've explained to you before, because I like to be fully transparent about how my take on a given subject, I have in past decades been forced to be a member of a labor union. I got out as fast as I possibly could. We even managed to decertify one of the bargaining units and put it away altogether, although that usually takes years. But I want you to imagine this. Even if you've never been in a labor union, imagine, imagine that somebody signs your name and forges your name to a document, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a union. And when you say, I don't want to be here, your friends and coworkers say, uh, you signed the paper. What, what did you think you were doing? And you thought, well, I didn't sign anything. My, my name was forged. Uh, if that were the case, do you think you should have the right to stop giving up union dues? Well, that case is actually going to the United States Supreme Court. It's going to consider a couple of appeals in December, and I wanted to get all the lowdown on it from Max Nelson, Maxford Nelson, but he goes by Max. He's the Director of Labor Policy at the Freedom Foundation. Max, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Lawrence. Happy to be yep. back. If I've misstated any of that, please, please feel free to correct me. But that's what the Supreme Court is going to consider. People who had their names forged on a document now forced to be union members and whether or not having proven the forgery, they should have a right to get out. That's, that's about the size of it, Lars. At least we certainly hope the Supreme Court accepts the case. Uh, so the, the Freedom Foundation is representing in, in this uh, particular lawsuit is repping five uh, different public employees, uh, two from Oregon, one from Washington, uh, several from California, who have all experienced the same phenomenon that you just described, who, who have all refrained from joining a union or resigned their membership, uh, only to find later on that dues are being deducted from their paychecks by their employer at the union's direction. And then upon investigation, you know, when they push back, uh, hey, I never authorized this, or they contact Freedom Foundation for legal assistance. Our attorneys contact uh, the union or the employer, and then uh, the union will provide usually uh, whatever proof they have for uh, authorizing deductions from this person's paycheck. And upon inspection, you realize, oh, my gosh, this isn't completely fabricated. This is not this person's signature. Uh, some of the forgeries are, old, you know, the old-fashioned pen-to-paper kind. Uh, others are a little more sophisticated, you know, uh, fraudulent electronic uh, membership agreements that were completed by someone other than the employee. Uh, and in every case, obviously, this is fantastically illegal. There's no doubt about that. The question is, is there a civil rights violation here? And, and we certainly think there is. Uh, the Supreme Court, in its 2018 decision in Janus versus AFSCME, uh, made it very clear that the First Amendment right to free speech prevents public employees from being forced to join and financially support a union against their will. And that decision also established some parameters, some basic uh, standards that need to be satisfied before a union can deduct money or an employer can deduct money from a public employee's paycheck. 
And certainly forging signatures falls well short of that. The problem is that these lower courts uh, here in the Ninth Circuit, these lower federal courts, have been doing everything possible to avoid confronting the issue. And so unfortunately, these cases at the lower court level have been dismissed on, on technical or procedural grounds. Uh, basically, the courts are saying, well, the union is the one that's responsible for the violation. And yeah, even though the employer, the government a agency, is the one that's collecting the money illegally pursuant to a uh, forged uh, authorization, that now that, you know, the Bill of Rights doesn't apply to private actors, it only applies to the government, and so you don't have any recourse here in federal court. Well, but hold on, uh, Max, let me ask you something. Max, if I stole your checkbook and signed your name, Max for Nelson, and then wrote $1,000 and took it down to the bank and cashed it, I'd be guilty of, of fraud, I'd be guilty of theft. Uh, this is the government participating in a criminal act against these people, and the courts can't figure out that that's a violation of your civil rights when the government decides to take money from your paycheck and hand it over to the union, because that's what's happening. The, the union doesn't get it directly. They get it through the government. It takes the government's Correct. willing participation in this to, to carry out the theft or the fraud, doesn't it? it? It should be an easy call, Lars. You're absolutely right. But here's there's multiple layers to, uh, to why this particular act is illegal. Forgeries, uh, as a criminal matter, that's handled generally anyway by state law and state enforcement authorities. Now, if you're in a state like California or Washington or Oregon that has bent over backwards to facilitate this scheme, this arrangement on behalf of the unions, the enforcement powers that be are not interested in enforcing their own criminal laws uh, I mean, for crying out loud, they can't even keep the streets clean. <laughs> they can't force the violent criminal laws. They're certainly not going to enforce the state criminal law against their political allies and major uh, uh, pillars of the progressive left's political infrastructure. So uh, you really don't have any practical recourse under criminal law at the state level. Well, so that means these these folks with, with our representation have had to pursue remedies in federal court. But to make a federal argument, you've got to make, uh, you've got to convince a judge that there's a constitutional civil rights violation happening here. Uh, and again, it's very clear that there is. The Supreme Court has already recognized that you can't take money from a public employee, can't take dues money from an employee without their consent, without their authorization. And well, yet is, these, uh, Max, these lower federal courts are, oh, go ahead, sorry. I'm talking to Max, uh, Max Nelson from the Freedom Foundation. Isn't this also compelled speech? Because the government not only has to avoid interfering with my free speech rights, they also, the government, can't come and say, Lars, you must uh, take this loyalty oath, or you must do this, you must say that. They can't do any of that, and yet by taking the money, they're compelling speech on the behalf of the unwilling union member whose money is now going to be used to support political stuff that he or she may not agree with, isn't he? And the government is making that happen. They're, they're participating in forcing this citizen into compelled free speech, are they not? That, that's exactly it, Lars, and, and that is the reasoning that the Supreme Court articulated in its 2018 ruling in, in Janus. That is exactly the reasoning. This is compelled speech for a government to force a public employee to subsidize this private special interest group that by definition is inherently political. Uh, and, and the lower courts, these, these lower federal court justices in the Ninth Circuit, they can't deny that. They can't entirely ignore the decision. So what they're trying to do, instead of grapple with the reality that these employees are dealing with, is they're trying to say, well, 
the government didn't commit the fraud. It was the union that, that forged the signature. And they're just pretending as though the government is not a party to this process. When in reality, the government has created in its own state laws the, uh, the obligation for the employer to collect the dues, to listen to the union, to stop and start deductions at the direction of the union. The courts are just pretending like the government is completely passive in this process as a way to block these employees from getting redressed in federal court. It's and, and the case is going to be held in December, an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. Two appeals, actually, involving employees whose names were forged, their money was taken, they were compelled to engage in free speech they disagree with. This ought to be a slam dunk at the U.S. Supreme Court. Back in a moment, you're listening to The Lawrence Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Broadcasting from his socially distanced bunker to yours, it's sanitized entertainment. Here's Lars Larson. Go to turn in my gear. They want to charge me $500 to $1,000 for gear that I was ordered to leave in Afghanistan two years ago. Now, can you imagine this? I just want to give you this as an example of just how screwed up, what a complete goat rope the average military is under Joe Biden. And much to the dismay, uh, I think, and to the disadvantage of those young men and women who've signed up to do voluntary service for their country. Imagine being this young guy who is in the military, is ready to muster out. Uh, but when Joe Biden decided to create that gigantic cluster that was the withdrawal from Afghanistan, he was called up to do that service, and he did that service. But as he's leaving Afghanistan, guess what happens? He says, hey, uh, the, they told us as we're getting on the planes, there is no extra room for any additional weight. We're getting you out of here. Your gear stays here in Kabul, Afghanistan. Take a listen to what happened. Some lower enlisted dudes, including myself, we're like, no, this stuff is expensive. I'm not leaving this. I'm going to get charged for this when it comes time to leave. Don't worry. We're going to catch you on the back end. You know, we'll flipple it. Now, it's time to get out of the army, and they just want to, they want to charge you for, for that. 
Unbelievable that this guy is looking at them, the military, telling him, you left the gear behind in Afghanistan under orders, and now we'd like to see the gear. Where's the gear? If you don't have it, we may charge you 500 to to $1,000 for equipment that he was told to leave behind in Afghanistan. And why? One of the biggest reasons that that happened is that Joe Biden had absolutely no idea what he was doing as commander-in-chief. He told Americans... Kabul, Afghanistan will not fall apart. The Taliban government, or sorry, the Afghanistan government will stay in control. The Taliban will not take over Afghanistan. We're going to make this an orderly withdrawal. And then we all saw a national television. You know, we were watching what was happening as they were lifting off with planes that had people hanging onto the outsides of the planes. And the planes themselves were filled with thousands of people who were never supposed to be allowed to leave Afghanistan. We had not vetted them. And what did we find out when those planes landed in friendly countries? that they brought out a bunch of people on the terrorist watch list. I mean, it was a gigantic disaster. Thirteen service members were killed by a terrorist bomber that our military knew about and told the snipers, no, you're not allowed to kill the terrorist. And as a result, he blew up and 13 service members were killed and many others suffered grievous injuries. All of that. And then, of course, this service member is smart enough. He knows what's going on. He's being told to pay back $1,000 at the same time that the Biden administration and the White House is helping to support the Taliban. Listen to that. Meanwhile, we can continue to give millions of dollars to the Taliban. We can give billions of dollars to Ukraine. We can give billions of dollars to student debt relief. We can give a bunch of stupid stimulus checks. We can cut those to the American people. But we can't cover 500 to to $1,000 for a dude that left gear in Afghanistan. For a dude that left gear in a place that you put me to begin with. Yeah, unbelievable. In any case, to your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Let's go to Ron in Tacoma, Washington. Hey, Ron, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Uh, a couple things. Uh, now, you're, earlier you were talking about the pilot situation, and, and, of course, he deserved to be relieved of duty. But, uh, I, I, you know, how, how many people in the government, how many people, uh, politicians and contractors, how many of those people have been uh, forced to resign or been fired? No. I would suggest that maybe we stop. I, I suggest that maybe we stop getting rid of people until maybe the government starts getting rid of their, uh, getting rid of their garbage. Well, except for this, Ron, the White House is incredibly pro-terrorism. The White House under Barack Obama, who, by the way, had Joe Biden as his number two, but Barack Obama was pro-Muslim all day long. He was also anti-Israel. So what, is it a big surprise that Joe Biden is also pro-Islam, pro-Iran, pro-terrorism, pro-Hamas? Uh, we're not going to be able to get rid of people in the federal government until Joe Biden uh, goes to the wayside, you know, ends up running for re-election and losing, which is one possible. Uh, that's a remote possibility or be is re is replaced by somebody else as the nominee. But when you've got a pro-terrorist president who only says the things he says about Israel, because if he doesn't, he knows for a fact that his entire party is going to have trouble if he doesn't say something in support of Israel. But remember what he did when he visited Israel recently. He said, by the way, I'm here. He doesn't say much of anything about the Americans held hostage by Hamas terrorists. But he does tell the Palestinians, I'm going to get you $100 million. 
And that's right after he freed up $6 billion for the folks who financed all that terrorism, the mad mullahs of Tehran. So I'm not willing, and, and I guess, Ron, I, I would ask you this, would, and I've asked this to other callers, would you be okay with flying in an airplane in which the pilot has spoken out in favor of terrorism and has called terrorists brave people? Uh, I think I'm on that plane. It's called American Airlines, if you get my point. I get it. I get it. You know, but but all I'm saying is that, you know, when when you say, gee, have we ever had a bad experience with jihadis being in the cockpit of airplanes? And I would say, yeah, we sure have. Do you want somebody who's pro jihadi flying in the left front seat up front in an airplane? Yeah, absolutely not. But here's one question for you, Lars. <clears throat> Maybe sure. you can uh, spread some light on this. You know who George Soros is? And he's got a son uh, named Robert. Yep. And you know who Adam Schiff is, and he has a daughter named Melissa, or a sister named Melissa? Yeah. So I just got word here that it looks like uh, Miss Melissa Schiff is married to Mr. Robert Soros. See, I, do, I don't, you know here. what, Ron, I'd have to check on that. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me one little bit. But what's the significance of it? The significance of George Soros is that George Soros has funded some of the most anti-American things in America. And sadly, we let the guy become a U.S. citizen. He wasn't originally, but he is now. So he's out there spending money to do everything he can to destroy this country. He's helping get DAs elected who won't prosecute criminals. I mean, there are a lot of things that he has supported that are decidedly in favor of tearing apart this country. And I think one of the reasons he does that is he sides with the likes of Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, who see that only if America is brought to her knees does the WEF have the chance to become the world government, the one world government that George Soros too many Democrats and unfortunately even a few Republicans are in favor of one world government. So we know why he's doing it. Who his son's married to or not, tell me what the significance of it is. Well, it's significant because from what I understand, Mr. Soros has an international arrest warrant from Russia. Yeah, so he may, it seems he to may. me that uh, maybe we should be doing something about the crime internationally and locally. Okay, and I don't disagree with you about that. Let me get one quick call. Jesse, you're going to have to be quick. What do you say about this service member who was told, leave your gear behind in Afghanistan, and now he has to pay for it? You're a naysayer? You think he should? Well, I, 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 no, no, I do not think that they should have to pay for that. What I'm getting at here is that it's, it, I, I'm not a Biden supporter. I can't stand the guy. Uh, get to it quick. It's been that, it, it's been that way since 1984. That you would be charged for equipment that your that your higher ups told you to leave behind. Yep. Well, if that's true, that's something that's got to change. But that would take a competent commander in chief who knows what day it is. You got the Lars Larson show. The Lars Larson show. Portland.
because you can't get enough Lars. Podcast every show at LarsLarson.com. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad to get to your phone calls and emails in just a moment at 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our Twitter poll. You'll find that at Lars Larson Show. And join me in welcoming back after too long an absence our friend Victoria Jackson, who joins me now. Ms. Jackson, welcome back to the program. Hi. <laughs> you have such, I, I got to tell you something, you have such a sweet disposition. And I know you probably get tired of, of people saying, oh, the girl from Saturday Night Live, except you're so much more than that. Well, that's a, I'll take that title. That's okay. I We've met before. Didn't we, yes, we have. Like maybe CPAC, maybe? Yep, yep. We met at CPAC on at least one occasion that I remember. Yeah, well, how, thank you for what you're doing, trying to put truth on the airwaves. Well, I, listen, I do what I can, but I want to talk about what you're doing right now, because you just keep on doing things. I mean, you've got your SNL time, but, but now you aspire to be the next Mini Pearl. Now, I, I remember Mini Pearl, but I'm not sure how many of my audience do, but, but that's, a, that's, a big, that's a big aspiration to say you want to convince Nashville that you're going to be the next Mini Pearl. Yes, that's my goal in my golden years, my last chapter. See, what happened was, well, I moved to Nashville 11 years ago to follow my children and grandchildren because my husband retired from the police department in Miami. Uh, he was a helicopter pilot. So anyway, I, I was moving here, the songwriting capital, right? And yep. I thought, I have songs. I sang on Johnny Carson, songs I wrote in my 20s about the boyfriend song, looking for a husband, and use me because I was an out of work actress. And then I wrote songs in New York when in my thirties. I wrote, uh, "Where do you draw the line between love and adultery?" And I wrote, "I am not a bimbo," and sang that on Saturday Night Live. And then I was in the Miami trap for eighteen years raising the kids, and I wrote songs like "My Purple Cage It Traps Me In" and "Nobody Respects the Suburbanite." They think you fell for the lowest form of life. And then I'm like, I'm a songwriter. So I started, I wrote songs uh, for the last 11 years living here. And then I had time and I had a little money because my mom and my brother just died. Yes, unfortunately, from COVID, one I'm of them. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. But my mom left me a little money and I thought, well, I will... Uh, make an album and so i i it's like an hour long it's 18 songs funny deep and uh stand-up comedy at the end so and d does your ukulele play a part in all that oh of course it's my best friend <laughs> so you go to a place like Na like nashville that's a tough environment i mean that's uh, i mean to be a songwriter there the place is wall-to-wall -wall songwriters isn't it so you put you, you're in the middle of a whole bunch of big competition yes good point i i figured out i have some obstacles uh my voice number one well not, um, why is your voice an obstacle victoria because it's instantly recognizable oh. i don't think there's anybody out there who has a voice like yours oh maybe it's a good thing to have well i just thought mini pearl was the comic relief in between the good singers 
So I thought they needed a new Mini Pearl, and I haven't convinced them yet, but I'm working on it. So what is it going to take to, to win them over? They don't have a Mini Pearl today, do they? No, no. Uh, I think that I'll have to sell a lot of albums or get a lot of uh, people like you putting my songs on the radio. Well, I, I can do that. I mean, we've got a talk show, but oh. we feature music in it, music oh. in it throughout. Will you please put my songs on there? I would suggest It's a Broken World Baby and also uh, <laughs> When I Get to Nashville, which was When I Get to Nashville, I'm going to knock them dead. I'll be the only country singing star who can sing Stand on My Head. <laughs> Ooh, I'll play. Anyway, so it goes like that. And if you would play that, you could probably help me be the next mini person. Well, I'll tell you, you know what my suggestion for you is? I love parodies. And I love songs that are sort of current events. In the next year or so, we've got the craziest situation that I think we've ever seen in American politics. Uh, you know, we've got Joe Biden. We've got Donald Trump. We've got a, lot, a whole host of characters out there. And, uh, and I kind of wonder, with all those other songs you did about Use Me and, uh, you know, the Boyfriend song and all that, can you imagine if you turned your talents to doing some things that, that gave people a laugh in the middle of all this craziness that we're, we're all in the middle of today? Well, funny you should say that. I did put a song out on YouTube called There's a Senile Guy Living in the White House. <laughs> and, uh, and then, then I put out There's a Communist Living in the White House back in 2010 days, you know. Um, but it would apply still. <laughs> yes, it would. Because yeah. he's, he's at least a communist, if not a crook as well. I mean, the, the, the head of the Biden crime family. But, right, but I think right. that would be a lot of fun. Hey, you should look up my YouTube. Um, and uh, the song I wrote like three days ago with two country friends of mine is called Keep Your Hands Off Me. And um, it's on YouTube, um, Victoria Jackson channel, and it talks about the dirty dynasty and the government getting too big. So you can play that one. I, I'd be happy to play that one, Victoria. I mean, I, I think I think it'd be a lot of fun. By the way, I want to remind people, you don't, they don't mention it that I saw in your bio, but I will tell you something, and it's, uh, you know, I know everybody has their favorite Christmas movie as we head up to that holiday, but, uh, and, and people will say, well, Die Hard, or, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a wonderful life. Uh, but even though it's, it's maybe not as much, you know, as fun as, as Die Hard or as much, uh, mm. you know, as sort of gratifying at the end as, as It's a Wonderful Life, but I've always liked the, the Baldwin movie. Not, not the bad Baldwin brother, the good Baldwin brother, uh, and Midnight Clear, and you were, you were great in that movie, and it's, it's a great song about redemption and about people coming together, which is what we all should be thinking about at the holidays. I've only seen that movie one time, I think. Um, I had a very small part, but it was fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but and, and any money, any more movies in your in your genre? Or are you gonna or Are you gonna just stick with with um, being Mini Pearl at this point and stick to well, music? Well, actually, I told God, could I please do comedy? Everything in the world is so serious and sad now. <laughs> and the Lord dropped about four projects in my lap. I just finished a movie called Jingle Smells, and it was uh, directed <laughs> by the Se Logan Seculo, Jay Seculo's son. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it comes out to, uh, Thanksgiving on Rumble, and it's uh, making fun of political correctness. I love and, that. Yes, I had a very funny part in that. 
And then I was in one called Into the Spotlight, and it's streaming right now on YouTube and some other places, and I play the high school principal. So I've gotten to do a couple of fun things lately. So now what we have to do is get the Grand Old Opry to consider you to be their new, because they don't have one, Minnie Pearl. Any any direct way, anybody you know there we want to have a lot of people email to? I don't know the I don't know the gatekeeper there. Oh, that's kind of tough, isn't it? Because as somebody in, in entertainment, you have to know the gatekeeper to be able to get in, don't you? But somebody knows the gatekeeper, so I'm just putting it out there on the airwaves. Well, listen, where where can where can people get a hold of your new album? Are you are you going to be on Spotify and some of those streaming services? Oh yes. It's on uh, Spotify, it's on Amazon, it's, um, if they want the, the copy you can hold in your hand, uh, <laughs> victoriajackson.com, uh, they can get it from there. Victoria, I want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas and keep up, uh, keep up the fight against political correctness, ma'am. You betcha. That's Victoria Jackson. It is a pleasure to be with you. Back in just a moment, you're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. You with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Email talk at LarsLarson.com. He actually reads them. More with Lars right now. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a Tuesday. Always glad to get your calls, too, at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Check this out. One of the key things that... Uh, they have to have to build electric vehicles is lithium, the material lithium. And America, America's newest and biggest potential lithium mine is now being blocked uh, by groups that are trying to block it in court. A federal judge in Nevada this week, thankfully, has dealt another legal setback to the Native American tribes, get that, who are trying to halt construction of one of the biggest lithium mines, in, not just in America, but in the world. The judge, Miranda Dew, has granted the government's motion to dismiss their claims that the mine is being built illegally near what they call the sacred site of an 1865 massacre that's near the Nevada and Oregon line. But she also said 
in her order to the three tribes that are suing the BLM. They deserve another chance to change their complaint. That's what they call it when you file a lawsuit uh, to try to prove that the agency failed to adequately consult with them as required by the National Historic Preservation Act. But get this. One of the crazy things we're going to run up against is Joe Biden pushing electric cars all day long and twice on Sunday. And where do we end up buying most of those cars and where do mo most of the raw materials and the rare earths come from? They come from China and other parts of the world where they're mined in ways that violate just about every rule you could find anywhere in America. So if the obvious answer is, well, then we need to mine those things here and process them here and follow all the rules and make sure it's done safely and that the people doing the work are not children digging in the ground with their hands like you see in Congo, where children are being used to mine some of the materials that are turning up in your fancy Tesla cars or your Nissan Leaf. And then we've got local environmental groups and interest groups like the Native Americans saying, no, you can't mine it here. We're going to have to mine it somewhere else. If that makes sense to any of you, let me know. Today's best, uh, today's segment, uh, this segment is brought to you by NickShivers.com for an instant offer to sell your home immediately. No showing, no hassles, and you pick the closing date. NickShivers.com for details. Now, our Twitter poll today. Would you fire an airline pilot who praises Hamas terrorists as, quote, brave people? United Airlines has suspended one of its pilots. The man's name is Ibrahim R. Mosalem. And he praised the Hamas terrorist attacks on Israel, the ones that killed 1,200 people. 240 or 230 people are still being held hostage. And yet he goes on social media on October 7th, the day of the terrorist attack, and, pra and praises the Hamas terrorists as resistance from brave people who've endured decades of occupation. He's justifying the slaughter of innocent people that happened on October 7th, and apparently United Airlines has had this joker flying in the left front seat for some time, so they've now suspended him. I suspect that they will either wait till it blows over and put him right back on the job, or they'll give him a pink slip. And if he gets a pink slip, where do you suppose? What other airline would be willing to put this guy on the payroll? Our Twitter poll can be found at Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Let's go to Brian. Hey, Brian, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network and our flagship Northwest affiliate KXL. What's on your mind? Lars, I'm glad I got to call you because it's going to save me, you know, a hundred dollar uh, shrink bill. <laughs> I I'm, hope. I'm hoping you could be my therapist today. <laughs> okay. I'm looking at a forty-eight dollar parking ticket in Portland, and I'm literally parked in front of a homeless encampment, oh, and I have wow. a parking ticket on my car. So the I, homeless I can come and occupy a bunch of space and leave their trash and garbage and present oh, a fire yeah. risk and and human health and needles and 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 you know feces and urine and all that and they don't the, the, the cops don't touch them but the meter maid writes you a $48 ticket for parking there you know and they're blocking the sidewalk and you know I yeah I I actually don't really have anything to say or question I just I just wanted to add to the commentary of the insanity of downtown Portland and, and what this miserable mayor has done to this city and the leadership in this city, uh, lack thereof. So well, there feckless, you go. And I'm feckless, Ted, he, he's the worst. And, Brian, 
One of the things this tears apart, it doesn't just damage the city. It's not just appalling that you see this going on. But it tears apart one of the most important things we've got in this country, and that is voluntary compliance of the law. Because most people don't go out and violate the law. They, they drive at about the right speed. They, they, they conduct themselves appropriately, even when it's a pain in the backside. But when they start to see double standards like that, oh, you're going to let people camp on acres of land and, and bring their filth and everything else, but you're going to write a ticket to me? When they see that kind of double standard, the incentive to say, oh, I'm going to follow the rules, goes right out the window. Brian, good luck to you, and I hope, hope you don't need any therapy. On that note, our friend Dr. Eric Wattenberg joins me now. Dr. Wattenberg, welcome back to the program. You called in about today's Twitter pilot, about our Twitter poll question about the pilot. <laughs> our Twitter yeah, it was pilot. a good slip there. Yeah, it's been great. I haven't spoken to you in quite a while, but uh, as you know, I'm a physician, and I do FAA flight physicals. I'm an FAA medical examiner, and it's curious with that story you just uh, referred to. It, separate from this pilot's employer, the FAA should immediately suspend this guy because one of their very strict criteria is, and they really got hung out to dry after the 9-11 you know, terror bombings and the airplane crashes into the building. The FAA really got held out for missing and letting all those terrorist pilots through the system. That's a good point. Dr. Wattenberg, I'm the sorry. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com. View the videos. And then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. You ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Lars. This is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly, provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. And now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you today and glad to get to your phone calls and emails. We're live on the Radio Northwest Network, serving for the last 24 years, very nearly 24 years for the Pacific Northwest on a great a network of 26 stations throughout Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. If you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's always right here at 866-HEY-LARS. And I got, I got to tell you something. We had planned to talk to Washington State Representative Jim Walsh, and what we wanted to talk, him about, talk to him about is a very important development. As you know, Governor Jay Inslee uh, pushed a carbon tax, and he pushed it hard, and the state legislature signed off on it. And already it has scooped up a couple of billion dollars out of the pockets of you and me. 
And Jay Inslee won't even be honest enough about what this carbon tax has been doing. When he first proposed it, they said, well, we're going to add a couple of pennies, just pennies, to the cost of every gallon of gasoline. Already, that number has eclipsed more, eclipsed more than half a dollar per gallon of gasoline. And that means it's sucking literally millions of dollars out of consumer pockets every single day. If you look at the amount of gasoline that's purchased in the state every day and then multiply by 50 cents a gallon, it adds up to quite a sum. And if you say, but we're saving the planet, well, not quite. They've got the money and they promise they'll spend the money on something that reduces the amount of carbon dioxide in the air. Well, it hasn't done that either. And frankly, Jay Inslee's initiatives to try and do this uh, have not worked. He's, he'll set goals. I mean, he's in a lot of ways, he's like the old masters of the Soviet Union. They'd set a goal. They'd say, this year we're going to produce so many million bushels of, uh, of wheat. And then they'd miss by a country mile. And you'd say, well, what happened to that? Well, we'll just adjust those numbers so it looks like we actually hit the mark anyway. In any case, it's costing people a lot of money, and I would dearly love to see this put to a public vote. There he is. Representative Jim Walsh joins us now, representing District 19, a Republican. I, I, I've invited him to bring one, some of his Democrat friends with him. But Representative Walsh, good to have you back. Good to talk to you, Laura. Sorry I was late getting on, but we just delivered the signature petitions in support of Initiative 2117 uh, here uh, in Tumwater, just outside of Olympia, uh, to uh, repeal the cap-and-trade tax scheme. So it's a great afternoon here. And at this point, how many signatures do you need to get to be able to get this on the ballot? The uh, requirement, it always fluctuates a little because it's based on the voter participation of the last general election. Right, right. now the requirement is about 326,000. We delivered 418,000 signatures. So even if even if the Secretary of State and the other elections officials manage to disqualify a bunch, it's going to be on the ballot next year, right? Very likely, yes. They would have to do something really extraordinary to uh, to not qualify this one. But they are. We delivered the signatures. They are in the Secretary of State's hands now, and they are being processed. We'll know in uh, a few weeks. We should know in a few weeks that there are enough signatures that are good there to qualify uh, the uh, repeal to go forward. And that's a great thing, Lars. I'm well, and it, it, is a great, it is a great thing. And Representative Walsh, this, I mean, I, I've started to hate the way that representative government does not represent the people in both Oregon and Washington because you have legislatures that pass things and you say, but hold on, the people don't support this. And they say, oh, of course they do. We're the people's representatives. And they pass it. And then when it's actually put to a public vote, in many cases, it goes down by as big a margin as the legislature voted it up. And and the result is it, it just tells me that a lot of the legislature, not you, but some of your colleagues on the other side of the aisle, have absolutely no idea what the people they represent actually want. So true. The people they really represent are often uh, interest groups and uh, bureaucracies and not the actual people of the state of the area. Um, so uh, the initiative process does give that, that, that uh, valve release, that pressure release. When things are not going the right way, the people can act, and that's what happened today in Tumwater. We delivered the first of what we hope are going to be six initiatives 
each uh, focusing on a different point in policy uh, that need to be fixed here. And I think it's, it's going to be a reassertion of the people's voice in government and politics and policy here. It's a great day, Lars. Representative Walsh, when this goes on the ballot, when it's voted on, can we expect, I mean, if the vote is a solid yes, and this will be November of next year, will, will it not? Correct. That's correct. Okay. November of 24. Does it immediately take effect and just simply shut the whole carbon tax scheme down? Yeah, this one would. This one is drafted in a way, it's written in a way that's very clear that there's no wiggle room, there's no partial uh, repeal. It's a full repeal of Washington's tax and uh, cap and trade or uh, tax and invest or whatever they want to call it. I call it cap and trade, but to cap and trade tax scheme. Uh, so it would be a straight repeal, no, uh, no wiggle room. Now, let me ask you something, just because I've seen this movie before, Representative Walsh. Is this one going to get dragged through the courts? And then we'll watch the Washington Supreme Court, you know, God bless their liberal little hearts, uh, sit and, and play games with what the public votes for? Well, it's always a risk, Lars, but this one has been pretty carefully drafted. I mean, I drafted it, Lars. We wrote it pretty carefully so that the usual court objections really will have a, a hard time uh, finding any purchase. Uh, it's clearly a single subject rule. It's written in a way that conflicts minimally with any other part of the law. The usual, uh, you know, uh, weasel room arguments, they're, they're going to have a hard time making them here. Uh, they can't argue that the title is misleading. The title is very clear. Uh, everything that they usually carp about on initiatives I think we've anticipated here, so they would have to come up with some new theories to try to try to get rid of this one. Representative Walsh, what are the other five that you want to put in front of the public that are part of this package? Uh, there's an initiative that is a parents' rights initiative. Basically, it, it doesn't change any law, but it, it improves the parental notification or what minor children are experiencing either at school or in the doctor's office. One of them is a repeal of Washington State's capital gains income tax that Washington State has decided is not an income tax in a crazy court ruling. It Good. repeals that. One of them uh, restores law enforcement's ability to chase criminal suspects on the basis of reasonable suspicion, which was the traditional basis for chasing bad guys. Uh, it got monkeyed with lately in Olympia, so it restores police pursuits. And then the two remaining are both tax-focused. One is a prospective, that is forward-looking, restatement of what's already in some parts of the law, saying that there, in Washington State there cannot be an income tax. And then uh, the last one is a changes the state's long-term care tax scheme to opt out, so it's optional. Absolutely great. That's Representative Jim Walsh. He represents District 19. You're listening to The Lawrence Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. We'll talk about President Biden's prospects next. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? 
Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you, your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Right on the left coast. Get it? Here's Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your phone calls and your emails. I want to play a soundbite for you, though, and it comes from Kamala Harris. I mean, I've actually gotten a little bit tired of playing Kamala Harris soundbites because almost every day of the week, the current vice president of the United States says something else that is abundantly stupid. Uh, but she is becoming more and more a part of the picture because I want to talk about Joe Biden's prospects as we head into 2024 and whether or not he has a snowball's chance of actually winning re-election. Joe insists that he's running for re-election. His party, of course, has to back what he's doing, but it doesn't seem very likely to many of us that he's actually going to be successful in that bid for re-election. And it makes you suspect, at least, the Democrat Party might actually try to kick him to the curb. But first, listen to Harris just the other night. President and I obviously have a lot of work to do to earn our re-election, but I am confident we're going to win. We're, I'm confident we're going to win. Well, she was probably confident she was going to win when she ran for president as well. And as you might have remembered, and if you don't remember, I want to remind you, when Kamala Harris ran for president of the United States, she dropped out of the race literally before the first primary votes had even been counted because she couldn't move the needle. She couldn't actually get anybody much to support her. And it was very clear that her presidential ambitions were not going to win. And then, of course, she criticized her current boss, Joe Biden, on the debate stage as being an unrepentant rapist, uh, sorry, not rapist, racist. Um, and Kamala Harris, a person of color, describes her now boss as having racist beliefs and racist statements that he had made. And I think she was right when she said that. But then when Joe Biden decided in what I consider a racist move to say, well, I'm going to pick my vice president based on her skin color and based on her gender, apparently Kamala Harris didn't have any problem taking that job, even though she didn't exactly earn it because of her skills or her abilities. She got it because of her gender and her skin color, which makes you think, well, she must be about six kinds of hypocrite. You're absolutely right. She's six kinds of hypocrite. I'll get to the numbers on Joe Biden in just a moment. But first, if you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's right here at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And naysayers, we always put naysayers right to the head of the line. We have for more than 26 years. We always will as far as as, as long as this continues to my, be my show. And there appears to be no danger you're going to lose me anytime soon. So I want you to consider this. 
Why is Joe Biden even seeking re-election when Americans oppose his positions by such a wide margin? I mean, this includes Americans who are Democrats, Republicans, and even independents. And why is the Democrat Party still going along with this fool's errand? You might wonder to yourself, why is that happening? Well, I think there's a very clear reason now. Joe Biden, if he were not president of the United States, he is under investigation. His actions are under investigations in his position as head of the Biden crime family. We now know, thanks to the House Oversight Committee, that the Biden crime family has cleaned up when it comes to selling Joe Biden's influence. They have received, according to the bank records that Congress now has, about $24 million. And as I pointed out to you before, if you wonder, well, what were they selling that was worth $24 million? And the answer is, they were selling influence with the President of the United States. In fact, just yesterday, I played a soundbite from Kevin McCarthy, the former House Speaker, in which he said, Joe Biden merely dropped in on a meeting that had been set up by his son, Hunter Biden, with one of his Chinese communist business associates. And by dropping in on that meeting, Hunter got a brand new Porsche to drive around and the Biden crime family got about three million dollars. I mean, if you're going to buy the influence of the at that time, second most important position in the United States of America, it's going to cost you some serious money. But I'd also suggest to you, and I don't think it's hard to prove, that if you're a rich oligarch, whether you're in Ukraine, where the Biden crime family made money, or Kazakhstan, or in Moscow, or in Beijing, those people with big piles of money do not hand out that money for nothing. They hand it out because they expect to get something in return. So, my question is, if they were peddling influence on the on the behalf of uh, Joe Biden and his family and he were making money because there's now canceled checks that show that when money came in from the Biden crime family's various activities, that Joe would almost immediately be written a check and his signature is on those checks. So I know that some of you are unrepentant Biden fans. You think he's a great guy and he's been a great president, even though he's a little bit dimwitted. If the guy is signing checks, if he's signing checks for money that came from China, if the statement he made on the debate stage in the fall of 2020 that he and his family have never received any money from China, and he did say that out loud, then how in the world is he going to get away with this? Well, let me point out to you, he's in trouble in a number of ways. Number one, the economy stinks right now. And number two, inflation, food, fuel, and your disappearing paycheck, that's a problem. The new conflicts that Joe Biden has managed to get us, get us entwined in, in Ukraine, in the Middle East, in Iran, in Israel, those are a problem as well. Uh, let me go to a naysayer. Uh, Blue, are you really a naysayer on this? How are you, sir? I am doing well. The reason why I'm a naysayer because everybody's looking at the polls and how everybody can say that they're, they get that Biden's going to lose, but where this country cheats, how he's going to not lose? He's going to win. Well, uh, my answer, my short answer to that is number one. After the 2020 election, the one that was called the most perfect election in American history, a number of states said it wasn't perfect, and the proof of that is they passed new laws to tighten up all of the rules and regulations. Now, am I going to suggest that they've made it impossible to cheat? No, I'm not going to say that. I think it's not impossible to cheat. Am I going to say that the Democrats won't try to cheat? They will try to cheat.
But the problem is, at this point, if they held the election today, the polls suggest that Donald Trump would win by something like 9 or 10 percentage points. And so I think the Democrats know you can cheat on small amounts. It, it's a lot harder to cheat when the numbers get really big. And, and if you win by enough, it's, it's almost impossible to cheat. Well, you're right about that. Blue, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I'm just saying you've got to win big. When they're cheating and you know the Democrats cheat, you're going to have to win big enough that nobody buys the cheat. The problem is in 2020, they bought the cheat, even though there was plenty of evidence that in those six battleground states that were really key to winning the entire election, Joe Biden lost big time. And he would have, and he would have been expected to lose big time in those states. But the cheats... The total number of votes that separated Donald Trump and Joe Biden in those six states on election night, because those are the ones you needed to win the Electoral College votes. Joe Biden got a lot more of the popular vote, but popular vote doesn't decide the presidency. The Electoral College does. In those six states, the margin between the two candidates was about 124,000. That's a relatively small cheat. And even at that time, they had to shut the vote count down at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning to be able to pull off that cheat. If the margins are as big as the polls suggest right now, Joe Biden, if he's losing by nine percentage points and then they pull off a cheat, it's going to be apparent to just about everybody. Blue, thanks for the call. I always appreciate a great naysayer. Back in a moment, I'll get to your phone calls. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google. Yeah, he's everywhere. The Lars Larson Podcast. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad to get to your phone calls and emails. i got to tell you something. The double standard that is being set up and has accelerated under the Biden administration in this country is becoming absolutely obnoxious, and I think it's dangerous as well. When you tell people who are otherwise law-abiding people you're going to be punished, even though regular criminals, people who commit arson, uh, rape, assault, murder, things like that, will be given light treatment by the system. But if you disagree with the, per, you know, the current point of view of, say, the president or the liberals who run big cities in America, then the DOJ is going to come down on you like a ton of bricks. And that kind of double standard is very apparent to a lot of us. Sean Carney joins me now, who's CEO and president of 40 Days for Life. Sean, welcome back to the program. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Would you mind talking about the case of Paula? She was known as Paulette Harlow, 75, of Kingston, Massachusetts. What happened to her? Well, she was arrested uh, for going out and, and just peacefully praying. She's now going to the penitentiary. Uh, is a violation of the FACE Act, and many of your listeners I know are, are familiar with this. This is why Mark Houck had his house raided in Philadelphia. That was the SWAT team um, raid because Mark Houck stood up for his 12-year-old son who was who who was being accosted, let's say, by a pro-abortion protester. Dad stood up for him, and as a result, Dad ends up with an FBI SWAT team on his front porch. No exaggeration. 
No, literally. I mean, the, the guy was cussing at his son. He told him to stop. He kept doing it. He pushed him. Philly police said, we're not pressing charges. It's Philadelphia. Local pro-abortion DA doesn't press charges. Uh, Mark is then the target of the SPACE Act, which has to do with abortion facility uh, clinic entrances. And, um, and, and he gets a letter, and our lawyers send them a letter saying, this is serious. He'll turn himself in. Like, this is a law-abiding guy. They ignore the letter and raid his house at gunpoint with over 20 agents and uh, scare his wife, children, just crazy. So Mark and us were suing uh, the DOJ on behalf of him. Uh, that was announced a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but now you have this case of, of this woman. She's 75 years old, um, and she's in one of the federal penitentiary. And, and you know, this is an example, as you uh, accurately, unfortunately, said um, – of if you don't agree with the Biden administration, if you don't agree with the DOJ, we're going to send you uh, to prison. We're going to target you. And everybody's looking around. I think the the obvious thing is the fentanyl and the border and, and everything going on in the world right now. And this is what the FBI is focusing on is 75-year-old ladies who are out saying their prayers in front of an abortion facility. Um, and this was from an incident from years ago where she was out there and, um, and they're, they're targeting us. You know, this is the reason why we're suing the DOJ because this is not going to stop. And we've had a great relationship with the DOJ for many years. We've had a million people participate in our, our peaceful vigils, our law abiding vigils around the world in front of abortion facilities. And we've worked very closely with them and we didn't change, but they did. And it was the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And our federal government has this new worship of, of the sacrament of abortion to where every realm of our government is focusing on this, uh, most especially the DOJ. I, I want people to understand the nature of what Paulette Harlow is said to have done, because they accused her of a federal conspiracy against rights. And I want people to know the acronym that Sean used, Sean Carney from uh, 40 Days for Life, is the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances, the so-called FACE Act. It's a federal act that says it's illegal to block an abortion clinic. What horrible thing was, was Paulette ha Harlow doing that allegedly kept people from getting, gaining access to the front of that clinic? Well, everything that I, everybody that I talked to and, and all the reports that I saw, she was kneeling and praying. And that was the, that was what was so detrimental. Um, and where she was and all of that has been disputed, but it, it is, here's the thing, whether it's Mark Hawk with the FBI raid and all this, what's happening is people inside are going, are, are we nuts? Like, we're not raiding this guy's house. He has no priors. He doesn't have a parking ticket. We're going to show up. He doesn't even own a gun. We're going to show up with, with full SWAT team. Um, the, the, you know, the 75 year old lady, we're going to send her to the penitentiary. I think one of the things that's changed is the DOJ and the FBI, they don't care about optics. I mean, you can say what you want that politicians and government officials do things based on how they look, but sometimes that's good and appropriate for companies, yeah. for governments, for anybody. Yep. They don't yep. even care about that. Because <laughs> they, they, they may say we have the right to do something under the law, but it's going to look really really bad so let's not do it that way that's apparently not constrained the doj or the fbi at all is it no but i will tell you those voices are that is being voiced that those people are in those meetings and they're saying y'all are nuts 
and I'm not participating in this. And we know that from Mark Houck's case. There were agents that morning and, and, and law enforcement officials that refused to go on that raid. There were ones who spoke out leading up to the raid. By the way, uh, just to catch people up, Mark Houck was acquitted in less than an hour. It was an embarrassment for the DOJ, and it should have been. It was an absolute joke, and thank God, you know, a, a jury of his peers said, this is ridiculous. You're just targeting this guy. And, um, and, and I, you know, I think and I hope it's a wake-up call, um, but we have to take legal action. You know, you just can't sue the federal government. We have English law, and the king is not subject to his, to his own law. Um, except in cases like this where it's religious liberty or civil rights, and that is exactly uh, well, the grounds that we're suing on. I mean, Sean, let me ask you about this, because I suggested there's a double standard. Because at the same time that this lady is being has been prosecuted for something that happened three years ago, where she's kneeling and praying, we've seen people out in the streets, even at the White House, you know, threatening to knock down the fence. I don't think that's physically possible, but they go up and they accost or assault the outside uh, barricades outside the White House, and none of them uh, get these kinds of, of charges. And and law enforcement largely ignores things that are that are I think were arguably worse than what this lady might have ever done at age seventy five, and and the DOJ and the FBI just simply ignore it. And and that's the part that's really tough to take to understand. Well, you have one standard for conservative points of view, like pro life, and you have an entirely different standard for everybody else who does things that are more dangerous, more threatening. Yeah, absolutely. The, the pregnancy resource centers that were firebombed after the overturning of Roe. Uh, there was a lady shot, a pro-life volunteer shot, um, in Michigan. Uh, she lived, but, you know, nothing from the DOJ. Uh, this is a very, um, concerning is, is, is an underwhelming word. It's very dangerous what they're doing. And that's why we have taken action. Um, and by the way, there's just been so many great lawyers and former DOJ prosecutors that have reached out to help us with this case. We have a phenomenal legal team. I think we'll win. Um, but this, this has to happen. And I think all of us, you're kind of watching the TV, throwing your hands up in the air, listening to your uncle, you know, rant about the government, but we really can't do anything about it. Right. Uh, but Mark, how can and 40 days for life can in this case, it is the perfect case uh, well, to take it to the DOJ real quick, Sean, before we hit the break, is it possible to have a federal judge say the DOJ and the FBI, not just in this case, but in general, has been behaving differently and there has to be a way to correct their behavior? That's certainly been done. I've got about 10 seconds left. Sorry. Yeah, that is possible. There are a lot of things possible, particularly with the House case. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's see if we can get something done. And the FBI needs to answer this as well. Otherwise, they're going to find a lot of Americans saying, I won't give you the time of day. And at that point, a lot of other bad things can happen as well. That's Sean Carney, the president of 40 Days for Life. We'll be back in a moment. I'll get to your call. 866-HEY-LARS. Naysayers go to the head of the line on the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? 
Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you, your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their golden crowns. When the man comes around, this is the Lars Larson Welcome Show. back to the Lars Larson Show. Boy, do I have some fantastic good news for you. And it literally dropped just minutes ago. For those of you who have been following Oregon's fight over ballot measure 114, we win. Now, I have to caveat that by saying we win at the trial court level. The judge, and I'll tell you about the judge's decision, I'm reaching out to some people like Kevin Starrett from Oregon Firearms Federation right now, hoping that we'll get Kevin on the air. But just minutes ago, we found out that Judge Robert Rascio from Harney County has permanently blocked Measure 114. Permanently. Now, you say permanently, Lars, but you said there's a caveat. That's right. It's going to go almost immediately. There will be an appeal by the state of Oregon, by the uh, corrupt attorney general's office, the office of Ellen Rosenblum, will immediately appeal this to the notoriously liberal Oregon Court of Appeals. And after that, no matter which way it goes, it'll be immediately appealed to the Oregon State Supreme Court. And unless somebody can put a federal constitutional issue on it, it will not go to the U.S. Supreme Court, although there are some pathways that go that way. I'm not a lawyer, but the lawyers have told me there may be a way to challenge it. And what's interesting is there was just a decision by the federal courts in Maryland where they said requiring people to get a permit to be able to buy a gun, exactly what Measure 114 does, uh, is unconstitutional under the federal constitution. But that doesn't apply in this case. But the good news is, and again, we just got it minutes ago. I'll see if we can get Kevin Starrett on from Firearms Federation to talk about that. Uh, Oregon uh, Circuit Court Judge Robert Rascio of Harney County has acknowledged, and this is interesting, that in his decision he said mass shooting events have had, quote, a significant impact on the psyche of America, but they are sensationalized by the news media and they rank very low in frequency. He's absolutely right about that. But he has now blocked Measure 114, passed by voters just about a year ago, just a little over a year ago. A very bare majority of, I think it was 27,000 votes, uh, caused Measure 114 to pass. And then it was almost immediately put on hold with a temporary order from Judge Rascio. And as I understand it, Judge Rascio is not personally a very conservative guy, a judge. He's, he's uh, actually a bit, a bit liberal, but that doesn't matter. He looked at the state constitution and he has decided that Measure 114 so violates the protections in Article 1, Section 27 of the Oregon state constitution that it is unconstitutional. 
Judge Rasho found the two major provisions of the voter-approved measure, a permit just to buy a gun, not a permit to carry, but a permit to buy a gun. Up till now, there had been no permit required to be able to buy a gun. In this case, Measure 114 created almost impossible standards to be able to get the permit just to be able to have the privilege to buy a gun. Now, I think that violates the federal uh, federal uh, Second Amendment as well. But in this case, the permit to buy the gun and a ban on the sale, transfer, and manufacture of magazines holding more than 10 rounds, both of them violate Article 1, Section 27 of the State of Oregon's Constitution. That decision that we got news of literally just a few minutes ago. Despite the argument by state lawyers that the new regulations are intended to reduce mass shooting, suicides, and homicides, Ratio says the state of Oregon failed to show that either provision would promote public safety. Now, one key thing about this, appeals courts and the state Supreme Court, as well as the U.S. Supreme Court, don't take in new evidence. What they have to do is the state will have to appeal this based on the record made at the state trial court. So it's not like you can have new witnesses or new evidence brought in. The appeals court will have to, and I know they're going to work themselves, work themselves overtime because the state court of appeals in Oregon is notoriously liberal. They're going to try to find a way to say, now it's really not unconstitutional. I pointed out to you at the time Measure 114 was being passed and before it was voted on, I pointed out to you Section 1, uh, Article 1, Section 27 of the state constitution is that I think even stronger protection of the individual right to own a gun for your own protection or any other purpose. Some of us believe that tyrannical government might actually be the biggest incentive to own a gun. He found that the 30-day window to process a gun permit application would restrict the right of Oregonians to defend themselves if they faced an imminent threat. Now, I know some of you might sneer at that. Let me suggest to you, you're a young lady. You have a boyfriend who's a, uh, well, I can't say the words on the air, but he's a jerk. And he is threatening you. And you say, I need to go buy a gun. And you tell this young lady, well, you're going to have to go down and take a class. Then you're going to have to go through a background check. And then at some point in a period of time, you'll end up with a permit. And then you can buy a gun. Is that fast enough? No, it's not. He says the large capacity magazine ban would not deter killers who simply want to carry multiple 10 round magazines and reload very quickly. If you ever watch people who are practiced at this, whether they're military or law enforcement or, or even civilians, you can change those magazines so fast. I don't sit and practice that, but it's not, you know, having limits of 10 rounds per magazine is not going to hold back any determined killer. The vote was only passing Measure 114 by 50.7% of the vote. The measure has been on hold ever since. The decision has just come down from Judge Robert Rascio. Measure 114 violates the Oregon State Constitution. It is permanently blocked until the liberals in Ellen Rosenblum's office take it up to the Court of Appeals. We'll see what happens then. I know we'll talk about this more tomorrow. You've got the Lars Larson. The Lars Larson. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. 
You could sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.